You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Toward others, it helps you develop a listening attitude toward God and toward yourself. 
it's a holistic picture actually and I for me that's that's been true um, the two main points that I made about listening to God last night is that really it's mostly that there are obstacles in the way to our hearing the voice of God and the obstacles come in the form of all the distractions that are both external the noise of the world the noise of our lives and internal, our, our minds that are going back and forth between what has already happened and what's, what we're planning for, and we're seldom in the present moment. We will not hear the voice of God, just as we will not hear others if we're talking. Uh, we will not hear others if we're talking. Um, we will not hear God if we're not in the present moment. So that's what this is about, removing those thoughts, finding ways to remove both the external and the internal. Uh, distractions. And then secondly, the, um, I asked the question, is there something in your past that has infected your ability to trust God? It may not be an obvious one-to-one -one connection, but there's probably something, as Jane talked about, with the death of her mother and how that has led her into a pattern which took her away from God. And that's true for all of us in one way or another. We'll talk about that more later. And form of listening has three parts. Listening to God, listening to others, and listening to ourselves. Most of us enter this, this ministry through trying to learn to listen to others because we realize how bad we are at it. So that's what we're going to focus on this morning. Um, what I would like to do is begin, and I want you to know that this is typed out in my notebook. Um, I have not talked to Jane before. But it's a meditation on Psalm 37. <laughs> <laughs> Just one verse. So why don't you close your eyes. Maybe put your feet on the floor. Breathe very deeply. And especially exhale. Anything you're worried about. Anything you're thinking about. Just let it go. Breathe a couple of times. Very deeply from your stomach. Deep down. Breathe in and out. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Be still before the Lord and wait. <coughs> Be still before the Lord. Be still. Be. Heavenly Father, open our ears. We've said it many times already, but we know that we are the ones who get in the way of hearing your word to us. And so I pray, help us to be present to your word to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I thought I'd begin today by having some of you read the scripture that is the basis for this talk. Fran, would you read Galatians? Do you have the book? Somebody has the book right there. Right here. No, it's right up. Right in here. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting in the top. We're supposed to be taking notes. <laughs> Page 11. Page 11. <laughs> she doesn't have a letter. Somebody else. Jen? <laughs> you got it? Okay. 
Galatians passage. Bear one another's burdens. <coughs> okay. Who wants to read the next one? Susan? Do nothing from selfishness or conceit, but in humility count others better than yourselves. Okay. This is a toughie. Who wants to read it? Miriam. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Romans 12, 20. She who has ears to hear, let her hear from Luke. Okay, we're going to um, listen to a passage, which is also in your book as a, as a reference, that Judy Greenwood is going to read to us. But you just listen. When I ask you to listen and you start giving me advice, you've not done what I asked. When I ask you to listen to me and you begin to tell me why I shouldn't feel that way, you are trampling on my feelings. When I ask you to listen to me and you feel you have to do something to solve my problems, you have failed me. Strange as that may seem, listen. All I ask of you is that you listen. Not talk, not do, just hear me. Advice is cheap. When you do something for me that I can and need to do for myself, you contribute to my fear and inadequacy. But when you accept as a single fact that I do feel what I feel, no matter how irrational, then I can stop trying to convince you and get down to the business of understanding it. Irrational feelings make sense when we understand what's behind them. And when that's clear, the answers are obvious and I don't need advice. Perhaps that's why prayer is so important for some people. God listens and stays with us but doesn't give advice all the time or try to fix things. God listens and gives us the power to work through things for ourselves. But I need you to be with me too. So please, just listen. If you want to talk, wait a few minutes for your turn and I'll listen to you. Okay, we're talking about listening to others. When we talk about listening to others, we see in Jesus himself a wonderful model. We see that he was... Can you hear? Can everybody hear? Okay. Um, in Jesus himself, we hear him listening to people and hearing not only what they say, but what they don't say. You've really got to be present to pick up on those nonverbal cues. They're there. When Jesus was with the woman at the well, she went away saying, he told me everything I ever did. I don't think he really did. That's how it felt to her. We think of Zacchaeus. Jesus sought him out, went to his house. We don't, we're not privy to their conversation. But we know that it changed Zacchaeus' life. He repented and he turned around. 
because Jesus came and listened to him. The paralyzed man that was lowered through the roof, Jesus responded very curiously to those around and said, your sins are forgiven. He was paralyzed. Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Jesus heard what he needed, even though it hadn't been verbalized and no one else understood that. We know that if Jesus were to walk into this room right now, that he would look you in the eye and you would be able to tell him whatever it is that's on your heart. And you would not get, um, you'd know that he would listen with his whole being. He would see right into your hearts. When I'm with Ann Long, I feel that way. I feel a little naked. She can see right through me. Well, we are called to be Christ to the world. So we're called to be listeners. We're called to be his ears. It's a passive role for the most part. We call it active listening, but it's still much more passive than doing with your hands or your feet or speaking with your mouth. Um, what we're going to start out with is just a little bit of um, your personal experience. How do you feel? I'm going to write the words down. Think of somebody in your life. I hope that each of you has someone in your lives or have someone in your lives who listens well to you. How do you feel when you are listened to? Understood. Okay. Affirmed. Okay, just a minute. Let me get this down. Understood. Affirmed. Connected. Significant. Loved. No. No. No longer alone. Comforted. Supported. Free from judgment. Sorry, I can't. Well, 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 well,
misunderstood. Um, and then we will we will do the opposite. 
preoccupation. Okay, what are some of the examples of bad listening that you saw in that little demonstration? Controlling. Controlling. Self-absorption of the listener. Self-absorption. Preoccupied with her own agenda. Minimizing her pain. Avoiding engaging in pain. Agenda, just a minute. <laughs> Own agenda. What was uh, interrupted? Interruption. Interrupting. She didn't listen to your answers. She asked the same question once. She tried to fix you. Projection. Yeah. I don't think she really cared about you. <laughs> <laughs> Very dismissive. In the beginning, she got off track asking all about different topics about the nursing home. Questions. Yeah. <coughs> Informational questions. Not helpful. <laughs> Didn't contribute one bit. Someone said. Um, Minimizing her pain. Minimizing. Distracted. Self-righteous. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Untrustworthy. Not really like that I know. I remember you were so convincing. You're so bad. <laughs> okay. I mean, we could we could go on. There were lots and lots of things. I'm just going to list. So you all have come up with a number of things. I'm just going to go through the sort of cardinal rules. There are rules. You know what I said? This is something you can actually learn. And if you learn to listen to yourself when you're doing these things, you can begin to check that. Um, it is a learned behavior, actually, because we don't come by it naturally. We are not naturally good listeners. We're more involved with ourselves, and we, especially as women, I think, love to fix. That's our job. Okay, so she um, she was she invaded her space and was overly reassuring in a way that was not helpful. It assumed too much. She brought the father in. She never said anything about the father. We don't know if there was a father. So she was assuming. She was assuming too much. So you don't want to invade the space right from the beginning. She assumed that you know I had a problem. I didn't see it as a problem. She put a word in my mouth. Okay. Interrupting. We often listen with the intent to a reply, and when we interrupt, we're almost always thinking about our reply instead of what um, the person is saying. Most. I was telling somebody this week, um, garden client, that I was. They said, "What are you talking about?" Treat us in listening, and she said, "She said we don't listen. We're just we're just thinking about what we're going to say in reply." That was her just instant response to it. So that's that's true. Interrupting. She interprets. She puts words in her mouth, projecting. Um, she's that that's just you don't want to do that. Good listening really tries to use the absolute verbatim words that the person has um, has given. Not, um, it may sound kind of parroted, but if you, the minute you start interpreting, 
you're going to set up a resistance. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say I had a problem. See? So you don't, and asking too many informational questions is not helpful. I tell the story, I told this, some of you may remember this. Paul would come home, he's such a good listener in a hospital situation, he's a good listener, period, but he would come home from the hospital after somebody had had a baby. And I said, oh, what did they have? No idea. <laughs> he never asked. Or they had a, you know, had a, 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 diagnosis, a terrible diagnosis, what's wrong? He never asked what's wrong with you. Didn't need to know. What you're trying to do in a conversation of listening is you're trying to help the person go deeper. <coughs> you're trying to enable the flow of their conversation, not interrupt it and, and cause it to come back to you, especially. So informational questions, not helpful. We think they are, but they're not. The wor one of the worst things of all is what she said, it's in here somewhere, her own agenda. Um, telling your own story. We, we think we're being empathetic. Oh, I had breast cancer. I had back problems. I had, you know, my child ran away from home. Whatever it is, <coughs> we think we're being empathetic by telling our own story in response. But in fact, what are we doing? We're shutting down. We're shutting down the speaker and we're directing it back to us. You think of a conversation, good listening, you're going to have the arrows going like this. The minute I tell my own story, back to the listener. The minute I tell my own story, we think that it's helpful. It enables us to understand and to pray better, but they don't have to know that if we're really listening. Um, giving advice. We've, talked, we've already mentioned that. It cannot be said enough. The feeling, what's happening when we give advice? is often that we feel uncomfortable with the pain that someone is expressing. Especially if we allow it to get deep and they come out with words like I'm angry or I'm feeling bereft, I'm feeling um, abandoned. You know, a strong feeling word makes us uncomfortable and we, of course, want to fix it so we give advice. Um, remember what I just said, every advice has within it the seeds of rebellion. The minute I tell you, this is what you need to do, there's a little voice that says, no way. <laughs> what, where are we most guilty of doing this? With whom? Our children. Our children. Our children. Um, spiritualizing. Bringing in, she brought in a platitude. We said that up here, but remember she said God works all things together for good and whatever. Nobody can say that to somebody else. I'm sorry. Never say that to somebody else. Only that person can say that in retrospect at the end of the day. God is working his purposes out for good. God is blessing and not cursing no matter what is happening. But it's not our place to interpret that. What does it do? What, how does it make you feel? If you spiritualize, even a scripture verse, well-intentioned, absolutely true, can make feel patronizing. I've got an answer for you. I've got some, and it makes us feel better. I have an answer, and we think we're being good Christians by giving a verse back, but sometimes it has the effect of not feeling heard. 
really does. It's, it's really a revelation. For me, this was a conversion to understanding and to seeing in practice that just listening can be healing. Healing. It can actually help a person to move from pain to resurrection, from death to resurrection. And finally, um, breaking confidence. She's going to go tell the director, or the dean, whatever. Cardinal uh, rule, Christians break it all the time in the guise of, of uh, prayer requests. Oh, I just want you to pray about it. Be careful. Be careful. There are very few people that you can trust to keep a confidence, sadly. But it's absolutely essential. Absolutely essential. Okay, listening patterns. What are your listening patterns in your family? Um, who's hardest to listen to? Always, the closer they are to us, the harder it is. I know people who can listen to everybody in the world, in their church, and in their friends, and at a dinner party, and they just never say a word, but cannot listen to their husbands. Cannot listen to their husbands. It can be the opposite. Cannot listen to their children. Um, it's, of course, we're involved in it. It's ourselves, but we need to be aware of it about me, it's not about them. Are you known in your family, in your family, as a good listener? What could be a better tribute to you as a mother or wife or friend? And are you known as a good listener? And I've learned a trick recently. When somebody says something that's truly outrageous, you know, when some your son says, I'm going to move in with my girlfriend, or <laughs> depending on your politics, I voted for Trump or I voted for Hillary. You know, whatever it is, it sets up something in you, a reaction in you. A great response that shows that, that you've you validated that they've been heard. Because if they haven't been heard, if they don't feel heard, they're going to keep on saying it and upsetting you because they know they can. If you say, coming from where you are, I can see that that makes perfect sense. <laughs> I, I, it really, it really works miracles. Coming from where you are, that makes perfect sense. Okay, I learned that from a Christian counselor. He's been doing it for 30 years, and he said it's absolutely the case. So, in general, what are your patterns? What do you, what do you tend to do? Do you tend to give advice or tell your own story or um, spiritualize appropriately? Um, some topics may be hard for you. Maybe you're a compulsive talker, and I don't know what to say to you except that you're missing so much. If you're talking, you cannot be listening, period. Okay, now we're going to do a good listening demonstration, and after that we're going to listen in twos. Okay, this is going to be brief, and when we listen in twos, we're going to break into pairs, and you're going to take turns. One person's going to speak, and the other's going to listen, and you're going to say nothing. Mm -hmm. Not. You talk for up to five minutes, and um, then at the end of the time, this is something Anne developed. There will be three questions, um, which we will demonstrate. Robin and I are going to demonstrate this. I hope.
And this is not canned. I have no idea what she's going to talk about. Takes <laughs> courage. <laughs> so, Robin, what's on your mind today? Well, here we are. Uh, thank you for giving me this time. Thank, thank you for giving me this time. Um, well, what's on my mind, and when you asked me, is um, I really need some help exploring the feelings that are going on with this closing of my husband's father's estate. And this is a situation that really doesn't have anything to do with me. My husband's the executor, and he has two sisters. It's also a situation that's common to many, many people. Um, so I feel that, why am I making such a big deal about it? But it has brought out some archaeology in my husband and his two sisters that has resulted in a whole lot of really horrible words. Just from the one, it's not a three-way thing, from one sister, and she's, the level of accusation is just more than I can stand. And my husband is burrowing down very deep and not responding and keeps saying, oh, I've done all this before, I know how to do this. But there's deadlines that come. And I'm not worried about the circumstances. I think we'll get through it. But I'm just having a terrible time with the level of the anger and the accusation and watching him turn into a teenager and the other <laughs> sister be utterly the way she is. And I don't want to make this about them because this happens in all families, I think. But I personally have never quite had so much accusation and anger and I'm by nature very defensive and being told that I'm wrong so all my archaeology is coming out and the sense of wrongness and hurt and it's unfixable. We can get the estate settled but nothing's ever going to fix what has been said and I'm shocked at how much it hurts me and I'm also a little bit afraid of my husband's what must be going on with him that he isn't talking about and I'm thinking, if he ever opened up and talked to me, I'm not sure I could handle it. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be a good listener. I'd run screaming from the room. And I'm not really exaggerating. And I'm sure I would go into a great amount of it, but I, I really feel my fear of what's inside him, as well as my sorrow for it, as well as a whole lot of anger. And I mean, I've been married 45 years, and I didn't know that there was this much depth of animosity lurking among these three people. And so, I, but what I really want to talk to you about, although it's great to be able to talk about it, <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't make any sense of it. But I wake up, I dream about it, I write scenarios about it. I, I just, it's just gotten me. Oh, you know I could go on for half an hour. In the interest of time and of modeling, I thought I'd stick with just. But but I. And, and it's it would be you know very satisfying to tell all the stories, but that's not at all helpful. And in fact, it just stirs it back up again. But it's just had this grip on me, and there's a depth of accusation that I'm very frightened of accusation at any time and I hear it. I hear, you know, you're wrong in things that I'm sure no one ever means it. You know, just in life I hear that. But this time, I, there's no mistaking it. And it's not really against me, I'm on the sidelines, but it is against him. 
and um, it's just really, really painful, and I can't seem and to, to shake it off. And I know, and I breathe around it, and I breathe around it, and I get separated from it, but then it's just right back. So that's, um, that kind of is, that's what I want to talk about. What do you think is the most important thing you said, Robin? Well, this, this sense of the futility <clears throat> that this is never going to get better and that accusation is what I'm living under. Accusation is what you're living under. Yeah. And that it's never going to get better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Based on this, is there anything you think you'd like to do about it? Well, I was thinking of what you said last night, <clears throat> and I would like to ask God, and now I've been praying a lot about the circumstances, and he, if I told you how it's coming, we could all be happy, because it is coming pretty well, but that's not really what I want to ask for, although I'm extremely thankful for that, but I, I just want to, I need some freedom from the accusation that does not mean mounting a defense, and I that's what I'd like to ask God for. You'd like to ask God for freedom from the accusation. Yeah. And not mounting a defense. Yeah. And yet, I am, can't envision how that could possibly be. Because here we are. You can't imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel after sharing this in front of the world? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm happy for the world. <laughs> Well, it is freeing because I have don't, in fact, it feels great because I really, other than my core prayer group, and I tune in to go down rabbit holes with them, um, I haven't really been able to express it to anybody. I haven't really been able to express that word accusation and its companion futility out loud. And to really recognize the power that that can have over somebody. The power of the combination of accusation and futility yeah. and power yeah. and it's, it's just driving it me it's, it's just driving me down but talking about it in absolutely diffuses it somehow and part of being in a big group like this is this real sense that I am not at all alone on the other hand I also get that sense when I say that of well and why are you complaining so much <laughs> but, but here I am and that's how it feels. But it does feel better to have a kind face looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's a pleasure. You know, the difference, you're, you're presenting, what, a counseling situation. That's what it, that's what it looked like to me. If, if you're, as a friend, hearing this, it, it's almost as if the feed, there was feedback, but it was, I mean, Robin's very self-aware, so she can go through the entire history of a very short period of time, all the feelings, all the emotions, back and forth, but that's not, that's not reality. I mean, you don't normally have a friend or somebody you haven't listened to, and it, it just seemed like, you know, it's, Deborah didn't give you know you any any room to talk, and and this is a situation where Robin's stream of consciousness did not give you, and so it both seem very one-sided, and that's not real life. 
in a real life conversation, is it? With, well, with well, one she, another. She with might have. Her. She might have. I'm just interrupting. talk about something that was real and everything I said is 100% but uh, it might uh, it might have been well what did he do what did she say and that would have diverted it away from what's happening with me. Mm -hmm. let me just say one thing about that it feels artificial I think is am I putting words in your mouth but it feels a little artificial and not the way it would actually be in your family or in your um, with your friends um, two things about that. One is that if you develop a listening attitude and you're, list and you're aware of these tendencies that you might have to share your own story or to ask too many questions or to um, give advice and you, you check that, you will find, it can be at a cocktail party, it can be at the back of the room here, you will find if you check those things and have a listening attitude that, in fact, real conversations can look more like this. But they often don't because we get into the habit of the give and take, which is really about us. That's the first thing. It can happen. It can develop. Um, and if you were with Anne Long, I swear you would think she was, you were the only person in the room and that that's all she had to do was listen to you. And that's what I believe Jesus did. So I think if you develop a listening attitude, it can be true in all sorts of situations if you're aware of this. But secondly, I would also say, Paul and I, in marriage, actually make a time to say to each other, I need you to listen to me. And it's almost like an appointment. And he knows what the rules are, I know what the rules are, and it's when we're, when, especially when you're confused or muddled or you have feelings and you don't know which way to go. And we actually can make a time. And I, I know I have a very good friend who does this with her children. She says, well, you know, because your children get onto this. They're, they say, don't you do that listening thing to me. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? All of my children have come back to say how important it is. Because if you listen to the world, you hear how much people need to be listened to. I guarantee you it's the best thing we could do to prevent suicide. The best thing we could do is to really listen to people. And it's a huge problem. Anyway, so there's nothing wrong with saying to a friend, I need you to listen to me. And, and they know the code words are. It's not counseling. See, counseling... Anne taught counseling, and in counseling you're thinking of the question you're supposed to ask that leads them deeper. But if you're doing that, you're not listening. You can't be listening and thinking of the question at the same time. So this is, she found that pure listening was more healing than anything else. That's my point. Jane, if Robin had paused, I, I don't think I could sit and talk as eloquently as Robin did for four minutes. I would get, I'd have mm -hmm. to fumble, and I would have a lot more silence. If a listener, would you just listen through the silence? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, lots of questions. We are way over time. I'm sorry about that. But I don't want to interrupt our personal reflection time.
that's, um, that's a problem. Okay, who else? Yes?
call you back in, okay? 20 minutes. I wanted to interject or be in the conversation. And to just, but, but when I didn't say anything, I didn't miss anything. You know, it, it wasn't missing, really. It was missing. my desire to kind of do good that we have within us. But then when you don't do it, you see you're doing the better part. Oh, that's good. Thank you. Did you hear what she said? That by not entering, she said eight or she counted eight or nine times that she wanted to say something that she would have normally said in a regular conversation, but that in fact it um it didn't it didn't make it it didn't make it, it didn't make it better. In fact, she saw what happened with the conversation if she didn't interrupt. It made it a deeper, better experience. Mary? As a listener, I was able to just totally relax because I wasn't trying to think of how can I give a little advice or interject. I don't think quickly on my feet. So I was, I was freed up to and relaxed listening, and I actually really enjoyed You really, really? I really enjoyed being the listener and uh -huh. being 100% present, not trying, not trying to think, oh, what should I say? It, there is a freedom in it. This is why we're told to be living sacrifices, because in fact, when we get out of the picture, this subtraction that I talked about last night, when we get out of the picture, then there is freedom in that. That's how we're designed to be, to be open channels. Okay. Um, well, Deborah's going to introduce the next exercise, which we've already used up the time for. <laughs> and this afternoon, we will... Um, You'll have a small group discussion um, now, I think, and some of the questions in the small groups are things that have come up during our time um, so far. And um, this afternoon we'll focus on listening to myself. And I'm sure you've already seen some of that going on in listening to others. You've seen what your patterns are. You've learned something about yourself and how you listen to others or how hard it is for you. But what, in what way is it hard for you to listen to others? So that's one of my goals at this time. I hope you've seen that, that something you've been listening to yourself, you've been forced to. And um, in this situation. Okay, um, I'll just say a closing prayer and then turn it over to Deborah. Thank you, dear Lord, for the power in listening. Thank you that you listen to us, that you are quicker to hear than we are to speak. Thank you for friends who listen to us. Thank you for family and husbands and even children who listen to us. Give us ears to hear more and more so that the truth of what's in our inner hearts can come out for your sake. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.